You're listening to another edition of Sports Today with Peter J. Here's your host, Peter J. Mulroy. A little different feeling with the Knicks winning the playoff series, right? doesn't happen too often. You heard there Gus Johnson on the call uh, on NBA TV earlier in the week with the Knicks taking down the Cavs in five, in an impressive five, to move into the conference semifinals where they'll now play the Miami Heat, uh, a matchup of yesteryear uh, in, in some regard. Um, the second playoff series win for the Knicks in the last 24 years. That's how bad it's been, but that's how good this Knicks team is. Welcome to the latest edition of Sports Today. I'm your host, Peter J. Mulroy, a little bit after 5 o'clock on the East Coast on this gloomy day up here in the Northeast. Lots to talk about. We'll start with the NL Draft. I don't want to spend an overabundance of time on the NFL Draft, uh, but there were some interesting things that happened uh, last night with the first round out in Kansas City. By the way, if anybody saw that on TV, that was some freaking crowd they had out there for the draft um, to ring in this new class coming into the National Football League. It starts with Bryce Young going one to Carolina. Remember, Carolina made that trade uh, earlier in the offseason to acquire the top pick from the Chicago Bears, and they were in desperate need of a quarterback. Anybody that watched the Carolina pick, and they weren't just in a league of their own there. There were a lot of teams around this league that need quarterback help, quarterback depth. Perhaps none as bad uh, as Carolina and the Houston Texans who picked 1-2. And wouldn't you know it, they go 1-2 with quarterbacks, um, which really was a pick-your-poison thing for a lot of prognosticators. I think most thought Young would go 1, the young man from Alabama, and he did. And I think this is the type of situation for Carolina now with some of the supporting cast that they'll have around him, where Bryce Young, who is able to ingest as much information as you want to throw at him uh, as possible, he's able to process very quickly, and that's what Carolina's going to need. All right? The Sam Darnold experiment didn't work out very well. Uh, the entertainment with Baker Mayfield uh, hadn't worked out as well. Um, obviously, they weren't dipping more 
into the veteran pool. They want to start clean, and they use the first pick to do that when up in the draft to go get Bryce Young. C.J. Stroud, the quarterback from Ohio State, goes two to Houston. Not too many surprises there. You thought maybe the Colts could go a couple different directions with the fourth pick. Would they add to the wide receiver depth? Would they continue to build their offensive line? Defensively, after losing a pass rusher and a couple of linebackers, would they go there? They elect to go with quarterback and Anthony Richardson. And here's something that's a little head-scratching to me. Will Levis, the quarterback from uh, Kentucky, not off the board through the first round. That's not all that surprising to me because the kid's turnover prone. Will he turn out to be a great pro? Perhaps. Right? We, we don't know. There's the unknown with bringing in rookies to the NFL. We all know that, right? We'd be silly to think that. That's why it's kind of ridiculous to me to make preseason picks on, I'll use a perfect example, when I did my MLB over-unders earlier in the season. I, you have no idea. You're trying to make an educated guess, I suppose, but it, nobody knows. Nobody knows how this is going to work out. But what was somewhat surprising to me is Anthony Richardson goes fourth, Levis, who turns the ball over, doesn't go in the first round at all. And here's Anthony Richardson, nice size, 6'4", 244, out of Florida. So he's playing SEC football. He completes 54% of his passes. Hadn't played all that much college football to begin with. And here he is at, uh, at number four. Now I know with the ability to take information, read information, follow the playbook, Stroud, Young, and Richardson all box check there. That's great. It means they can handle uh, turmoil. <coughs> They're able to take information and run with it. But this is a big leap of faith, in my opinion, for the Indianapolis Colts. I know a lot of people weren't overly high on this quarterback class collectively because of some of the turnover issues Levis has had, because of Anthony Richardson's uh, low completion percentage out of the SEC. And C.J. Stroud has got the tag of being an Ohio State quarterback who statistically, you know, Justin Fields was good last year, I get it. Statistically, Ohio State quarterbacks and the offensive system that they're running doesn't necessarily translate to the NFL. Doesn't mean it won't here. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying what history has shown us. So the Richardson thing was kind of a, a head scratcher to me. I'll tell you the pick I loved. And the pick I loved was at number five right after Richardson went to the Colts. And that was Devin Witherspoon out of Illinois going to Seattle. Seattle's trying to revamp this defense, and they go and get the best cornerback in the draft. That was great. Some thought maybe a little earlier, maybe he was just outside the top ten. You like a player, go get him. And that was a need pick for Seattle to go get Witherspoon from Illinois out of the Big Ten. Good frame. Good build, six foot, 181, can go up and get the football, and he plays with physicality. Watch his highlight tape. Up in the face of defenders, and the kid does not back down. So this is a big move for Seattle, and they go get there, who they hope will be a premier cover corner in the National Football League. So I think out of your top five, not too many surprises. Uh, double pick there for the Col uh, for the uh, Texans, rather with Will Anderson, the linebacker from Alabama, that he goes third. A lot of people thought he had a legitimate opportunity to go one. Kids that good. So I thought that was a good start with Houston. You get your quarterback of the future, you hope, 
And now you get somebody that can anchor not just your linebacker core, the second level of your defense, but your defense in general. So that was big. I'll tell you another thing. Tyree Wilson, the defensive end from Texas Tech going to Oakland, is a perfect fit. An absolute perfect fit for what that team's trying to do with head coach Josh McDaniels. They're going to be able to score points. That's not going to be a problem. But getting in there defensively along that defensive line, this kid Wilson is a monster. 6'6", 271 as a defensive end. I mean, that is a man amongst picks. And I think this kid is going to be the absolute real deal for a Raider team that's really trying to not rebrand itself, but it's just been stale out there. The move to Vegas was good. They've got the new stadium. They've got the facilities. They've got the entertainment value. They've got the marketing. They've got the panache on the field. Blah. Brushes with greatness. Yes. Has it come to fruition next year with McDaniels? Take that step forward. People need to see that. New quarterback under center. No more Derek Carr. Now it's Jimmy G. You paid him handsomely to bring him here to help you win football games. A lot of people were eh with that move. To go from Carr to Garoppolo, not much of a difference. To some, we'll see. But getting a big-bodied end to throw an anchor on that defensive line, huge. Locally, the Jets flop from 13 to 15 with Green Bay. Obviously, we know that Aaron Rodgers is going to be under center next season and perhaps beyond for gangrene. Matter of fact, in a couple of minutes, our buddy Bruce Shine is going to hop on to talk just about that. Give us his view on Aaron Rodgers and, and talk a little NBA playoffs uh, and go around the MLB as well. So you look at what the Jets did. They bring in defensive help, right? Will McDonald, the outside linebacker from Iowa State. Right? This is a Jet team that is chock full of talent. And you go back two years ago, a bottom five defense, all they did was revamp that into a top 10 unit a year ago. They just didn't have the ability to win games out of the backfield and under center. Maybe that all changes with Aaron Rodgers. Will McDonald could be another step forward for an already very, very good defense to take it to the next level. The Giants move up one spot to grab the cornerback that they loved from day one, Deontay Banks from Maryland. The Giants need someone to go alongside Adoree Jackson. Aaron Robinson, if healthy. Cordell Flott, the third rounder from a year ago, the kid from LSU. Here you bring in a physical press zone corner, 6'1", a buck 97, who can give you just that. And he's got 4'3 speed up in your face. This is exactly the type of pick that the New York Giants were going after in the cornerback market. Emmanuel Forbes was a guy. Christian Gonzalez, the young man from Oregon who went to the Patriots. I get it. This move to go get Banks was the perfect fit, perfect opportunity. The Giants gave up two picks later, a fifth and a seventh to Jacksonville to move up to get this done. I know fans were upset that a bunch of wide receivers came off the board. Listen, Giants going to be in the receiver market. They're probably going to take one tonight, if not tomorrow, to vamp up what they had. Same deal with the Jets. You can never have too much talent. But both teams last night, if you're following local, right, this is a local national show with a New York twist. The Jets and the Giants made two solid picks last night. You can draft based on talent and need at the same time, and that's what the Jets did with McDonald. That's what the Giants did with Banks. I loved every aspect of the approach. 
I loved what we learned behind the scenes. If you were watching on the network or if you were watching on ESPN, what they showed you uh, in the war rooms and all the lead up and everything you read for what Douglas and Shane were telling you is basically what Gangrene and Big Blue did. And it was great. So as we go into now the second and third round tonight, which is about uh, a little bit a ways away, we'll see where these teams elect to go. There's still big time players on the board. Michael Mayer, the tight end from Notre Dame. A lot of people thought he would be the first tight end off the board. It was Dalton Kincaid, the kid from Utah, went to Buffalo to give them another real big target in an otherwise impressive aerial attack. Uh, Jalen Hyatt, another wide receiver out of Tennessee. There's a lot of talent to go around and between what's happening at the first second and third, it's going to be great. Vinny is on the line to jump in on this NFL draft conversation. Vin, what's up, man? Hey, Pete. What's up, buddy? How are you? What's going on? Nothing much. I'm a little disappointed. No golf this week. Hopefully we get tea time Sunday morning. <laughs> I'm in if it's not raining. I'm in if it's not raining. Okay. All right. Awesome. Let's, let's talk about, uh, I don't understand the Jets pick. They need an offensive lineman. Jacksonville picked up the kid from Oklahoma, big kid. Jets' offensive line is in disarray right now. You got Beckham hasn't played one game in two years. His his backup is 37 years old, coming off an injury. ABT's coming off a serious injury. Max Mitchell got blood clots. They don't protect Aaron Rodgers. They're looking at a five-game win season. Well, the I Giants, think the Giants, on the other hand, their biggest needs were wide receiver, cornerback. The three receivers went. They got their cornerback. You know, I, I mean, I think the wide receiver room with the Giants is pretty good. Mondell coming back. You got the kid Hodgins who emerged. You got yeah. Shepard coming back, and you got Waller now. You know, and I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna get somebody in free agency. Well, I, I, I really, I, I think. That. They will do that, and, and I, I think they've been pretty open and honest about that. And that's uh, the transparency now in this new age, especially here with Douglas with the Jets and now Shane with the Giants, I have an appreciation for it because you don't always get that. You don't get that in all the sports. And I, and I think what they and, – and Steve Cohen with the Mets does a good job of that as well via social media, getting the fans involved to actually what the, the powers that be are thinking. I didn't necessarily have a, 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 a problem. I, as a matter of fact, I had no problem with the Jets' opening round pick because this is, in the trenches, a pretty deep draft. You're going to see names tonight. Dewan Jones, who's a good offensive tackle from Ohio State. He can play on either side of the line. Joe Tipman, who's an interior lineman. He's a popular name on day two from Wisconsin. John Michael Schmitz, an interior lineman, Vinny, from Minnesota, is a kid yeah. the Jets absolutely love. And uh, Steve Wheeler's from TCU. Out. Hear me out on one thing. I just want to hear yeah. your opinion on this one. Now we all know I like Zach Wilson, but yes. I think he's done. I think he's done in New York. Even if he plays great, they'll still boo him the first thing he does bad. What about them taking Will Levitz at forty-two and getting rid of Zach Wilson and having him be the quarterback to succeed Aaron Rodgers? What do you think, as someone who is uh, in, in, involved with 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 Jet fandom and the Jet fan base and? having friends and connections to the Jets. How do you think moving on so quickly, even with Rodgers? Now, it cannot be dismissed that Aaron Rodgers is 39 years old. Moving no. on from Zach Wilson so quickly. 
I think, you think the Jets fan base is completely done with him? Absolutely. They're done with him. Even if he plays good, they go. forget it. I'm on all these chat rooms. They hate him. He don't know. He don't, he's done in New York. And I just want to touch on the Knicks before you talk about him. Yeah. See? You there? I told you yes, they're going to the Eastern. We, we talked about this weeks ago. I told you they're going to the Eastern Conference Finals, maybe the Finals. This team is this team is ready to go. They are the deepest team in the Eastern Conference right now. Listen, I mean, I, and, if you're Mark Cuban, how stupid do you feel letting Brunson walk away from all of this? I mean, in the biggest of spots, here he is for the Knicks, and he's got them in the conference semifinals playing his best basketball of the season, and the team is playing its best basketball at the right time. Cuban's got to be kicking himself. He's probably not because yeah, he's quick. a maniac. But, Vinny, I agree and, with you. I love the trajectory. And quickly, and, and, and Randall not even playing good, and Grimes is not even playing. This team is so deep. I think they built this team terrifically, and I think they just – they. They 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 stayed away from all the all the trades that they could have made to get rid of this young talent, and I think they're just they're all growing together. This team, I think this ter- team's going to turn into a a superstar team. I really believe so. I really well, believe. Listen, it. it's going to be a hell of a matchup uh, with Miami. But listen, it, oh, this is old. This is old school. This is this is old school. Yeah. This is Jamal Mashburn against LJ. This is old school. I can't wait. Listen, I'm so excited. And for the, fo- for the folks listening. Uh, Vinny's a great friend of the program, calls all the time. So, Vin, before I let you go, I just want to ask you this. How many seasons Aaron Rodgers is going to play with the Jets? One season. He's a con artist. He's a bullshit <laughs> artist. Sorry, Pete. He's, a, <laughs> he's a con artist. He doesn't care about the Jets. He's coming to take his money and run. As soon as things get – as soon as things – him and Salah are not going to get on. The, they're not on the same page, number one. Aaron Rodgers is a riverboat gamble like Brett Favre. So I'd rather punt and play defense. These guys are not going to get along. That's all I got to say. Super Bowl? And I hope no shot. They win seven Playoffs. games, Tops. Seven Playoffs. games they win. They're winning seven games. Okay. Seven. So April 28th, Rodgers isn't a jet for a week. You're saying seven and ten. Seven and ten. No, nothing better. I'll be lucky ten. to win seven. Their schedule's brutal. Awesome. They got no you shot. Are you are the best. <laughs> Coach stinks. Peter, hope, hope to you see, hope I see you Sunday. All right, brother. Thank you, Vinny. I'll talk to you. Appreciate the call. All right. All right. That's our buddy, uh, buddy Vin from uh, New York. Uh, always, always great. Gives you his varying level of insight. And listen, he's in the minority, but one of the best things about Vinny and a lot of the callers, you stick to your guns. You believe something, stick by it, right? He's in the minority on the Zach Wilson bandwagon. There's not too many left hitching their their, their carts there. There just isn't. And most people are doing backflips with Aaron Rodgers, even at 39. And I get it. It brings an energy to the Jets. Coming off, yes, just a seven-win season, but the writing was on the wall there. The team has talent. And I think, unless I am totally wrong, and when Bruce comes on in a couple minutes, I'd like to get his opinion. Unless I am totally wrong, I think day two, day three, over the weekend with the NFL draft, you'll see both New York teams now bulk up in the trenches. Jets offensive line, Giants will add there as well. Joe Shane and Brian Dable have been very open to the fact that they want to build their teams 
from the inside out, and they start up front. They've done that. The Giants' O-line was certainly not spectacular, but it was improved. And Don't think that didn't have any reason into Daniel Jones' success. If they can continue to do that, all the better for it. There's ways to add weaponry. The Giants got a couple of bucks as well um, that are going to help them overall. But uh, this has been, it was a fun first night of the NFL draft, as it always is. Zay Flowers, the really good wide receiver from BC, goes to the Ravens. So there you go with Lamar Jackson. Wanted the trade, but he finally gets his deal. Now he's got a premier down-the-field playmaker, a kid who can get open down the field and cut across the middle and take it 75 yards to the house. Jackson Smith and Jigba, the the, the, uh, injured, banged-up receiver from OSU last year, goes to Seattle with the 20th pick. It was a nice night at the office for Seattle. I'll tell you that right up front. Addressing two needs. Now you've got JSN to go out there. Tyler Lockett's been a veteran target, a reliable one for them. Uh, Quentin Johnson goes out to L.A., uh, the wide receiver from TCU. I kind of thought that the Dallas Cowboys were going to jump into the tight end market one way or the other in round one. If it wasn't Kincaid, maybe it would be Mayer. Mayer doesn't go in round one. Instead, they go Maisie Smith, the big defensive tackle. Uh, from Michigan. So big names are going to drop tonight when round two opens up. Joey Porter Jr. still on the board. Cody Mock, the interior lineman from North Dakota. Will Levis um, is still on the board as well, along with Hendon Hooker, the quarterback from Tennessee. So there's going to be a lot to keep an eye on tonight. That being said, um, I want to bring in our buddy, good friend of the program, Bruce Shine. Bruce, what's up, man? How are you? Is this the great Peter J? <laughs> I, it's Peter J. <laughs> don't oh, know about oh, 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 don't sell yourself short, my friend. You are absolutely fabulous. How are you, buddy? Good, man. I, I tell you what, this has been a lot of fun. I, I moved the show from Saturday to Friday. I was telling you yesterday uh, because my school's baseball team mostly plays on Saturday. Sitting here looking out the window, we ain't playing tomorrow. So uh, are, are you are you a little bit uh, are you a little old there? Long in the tooth, be playing little league there, pal. Yeah, exactly. Well, I, I got I got thirteen and fourteen year olds. These, I mean, kids hitting seventy miles an hour already. It's a seventy five miles an hour on sixty foot uh, mounds. It's uh, these you're, kids are vastly more talented than I was when I was a kid. I'll tell you that much. You're 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 like Kramer from Seinfeld. You know, when you were taking those karate classes against a bunch of uh, ten to twelve year olds, and you play a little league trying to you know exactly. boost up your own ego. Yeah, that's that pretty much sounds like you. So listen, uh, let me ask you this. I, I know I'm sure you heard uh, uh, one of our callers, Vinny, who calls in uh, uh, weekly. Um, I, big time NFL fan. But as far as what's been taking place, I definitely want to get into the Knicks. But what is your take here uh, on the Aaron Rodgers saga coming to an end? At least, and I say saga because we haven't hit the field yet, at least from the idea of now knowing that he is a New York Jet, he's going to wear number eight, he's going to be under center. I mean, listen. If you're if you're a jet apologist, how are you not you know invigorated by it? I, I mean, you haven't had a quarterback you know who could sniff this this level of play in in eons. You haven't you know you know touched a postseason, what's now the longest uh, you know living run in the four major sports. This guy's all but guaranteed to get you there, and then some. Uh, I mean, given the state of where they are and the rest of that roster. It's pretty much it's pretty much a no brainer. I, I I don't know how you you don't love this. Now listen, he's not the easiest guy in the world to, to root for. He's one of those polarizing types. I get that, but if I'm the Jets and I have been second fiddle and 
beaten down for as long as I am, I I, I can't have I can't find fault in in this in in any way, shape, or form. They didn't they didn't sacrifice their future here. They didn't give up a bunch of you know ones and and twos and threes you know for years to come. They have a ready made roster, as you alluded to, even in in a seven and ten season. You saw those those you know requisite pieces in place. There was one glaring hole. It has been the one glaring Joe Douglas Achilles heel. So you know he didn't double down on a, an enormous mistake. He struck while the iron is hot, and they they got a a couple year window here. You know maybe to do something real special. Yeah, and I, and I think that that's all legitimate, too, with, with the talent aspect of what's on this team. Alan Lazard comes over with him. He actually came a couple weeks before uh, signing with the Jets from Green Bay. Matter of fact, earlier in the week, the two were uh, tossing it around, uh, getting ready for offseason workouts and whatnot. So they're ready to go. Um, I, I just – I think for the, fan, for the fan base perspective of this, this feels different than when – I think this feels different – than when Brett Favre came on board because I think this is a team that might be a, a little bit more prepared to even go deeper than they were with Favre. Now, Favre had the injury problems late. Jets missed the playoffs. But I think there's still a lot for Aaron Rodgers to give here. And I think with the talent on this team, I think the excitement is even elevated, Bruce, compared to when Brett Favre came over. You, you see, the excitement isn't new. The Hope, though, isn't false. The, the Jets have been dreaming on quarterbacks for years, for, you know, whether it was Sam Darnold or Zach Wilson. I mean, they've had enormous hopes that they have got their franchise guy. He's going to lead them to turning the corner. Well, th this is a whole different thing here. <laughs> you know, this is apples to oranges. I, I think it's pretty much the same. You know, as Brett Favre, I mean, let's be perfectly honest here. The Giants and Jets aren't rivals, but they constantly eye one another. Well, when did the Jets get Favre? When the Giants, you know, pulled off that miracle and, and won the Super Bowl. And, the, you know, the Jets were still in, in woe-begone status. You know, and they had a chance to, you know, just go from point A to point Z in – you know, at, at rapid speed and, you know, and warp speed, if you will, you know, and, and they took their chance and they, they struck out because the guy got hurt, you know, whatever it was, 11, 12 weeks, you know, into the season. So, I mean, obviously one thing really doesn't have much with the other. They're 15 years apart. It shouldn't have any bearing on their decision here. Again, my, my, my difference between, this scenario with Rodgers and everything else that the Jets have dealt with with regards to quarterbacks, old, new, or otherwise, is that this is the most realistic hope they've had in, in an era. Uh, you know, this is not the first April that the Jets have been going gaga and doing cartwheels over things. You know, let's see how this works out come September. I, I think it will work out. But the fact that the Jet, the Jets fan base is is giddy and beside themselves with enthusiasm and excitement, as well they should be, that's great. But it's not exactly an anomaly. We we've seen this in in recent uh, in recent vintage with with the Jet fandom. Yeah, I'm with you. If Rodgers is ready to roll, the Jets are going to win a lot of football games uh, next season. I'm right there with you. Speaking of hope, let's transition to the hardwood. Knicks moving on. First playoff series win in five in impressive fashion over Cleveland. Just the second playoff series win over the last 24 years. 
And now you talk about hope. I mean, I have actually struggled with the idea that it's okay for me to legitimately believe that the Knicks can get through the Eastern Conference and wind up in the finals. Now, they're going to take on a Miami Heat team, Bruce, who took down the Milwaukee Bucks and, and I in the opening round. I think that's only the sixth time that's ever happened. With an eight beating the one, this is not a normal eight seed that the Knicks are going to see. But I, I, you know what, Bruce, I, I am all freaking in. If I wasn't before, I, at which I was close, I am now after watching this team completely dismantle Cleveland. Well, listen, I mean, you know, the Heat are somewhat of a mercurial kind of team too, right? I mean, they lost the one play-in game. They get on this, you know, tremendous roll. You know, they get transcended type performances from their star player, you know, in, in Jimmy Butler, you know, and he, they have a marvelous coach, as we know, in, in, in Eric Spolstra. Sure, I was shocked by by them up, upending the, the Bucks, even though, you know, Giannis wasn't able to play a couple of games, you know, because of the back. And yeah, the, you know, the Heat, they, they lost, you know, some key pieces too in Hero and then a little bit later on. Oladipo, yeah, I'm stunned that the Heat are here, but I also think it's fair to dream on the Knicks as well. Um, I mean, this is this is a team that they have handled, uh, not with ease, but, but have handled. And when you look at what really matters at the end of the day, the one loss ledger, and you know, if it, if it's the Celtics or the Sixers, you, you know, in the Eastern Conference Finals, should they survive the semis here? You know, there are varying degrees of success to have there as well. So, no, I don't think you're talking out of turn by, by dreaming on the possibilities, you know, with the Knicks here. It's, uh, you know, it's it's right there. It's it's all out there in front of them. They are the hot team at, at the right time. And we, we've we seen it with this franchise. I mean, 19, circa 1999, right? I mean, the Knicks, the yeah. eighth seed, beat the Heat. They made the run to the finals. You know, we've seen it with our Giants team, uh, you know, with the NFL a couple of times. So, it's not always the best team. It's the right team at the right time. And the Knicks have that uh, that look and feel to them right now. Absolutely. And I think two of the big things there, obviously the health of Julius Randle, Reese Braining the left ankle. Uh, Tom Thibodeau is pretty hopeful that the injury is not all that serious. Game one is Sunday, Madison Square Garden, 1 o'clock. That's the ABC coverage. But even more so than that, defensively, with what Jimmy Butler's been doing, in Miami, the Quinton Grimes shoulder injury is something that scares me because his game one availability, uh, as we sit here 48 hours away, uh, less than that, is still very much up in the air. And stepping into that starting role this year, Grimes has been a revelation on both ends of the floor. Uh, if he's ready to go, uh, it's just another notch uh, on the Knicks' belt as far as getting past this pesky Miami team. Yeah, well, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, you know, Grimes, uh, Grimes is a bulldog defensively uh and you know they they need all that kind of wing help on on butler uh that they could get now word on grimes is he's supposed to be you know available as well for game one you know deuce mcbride i'm sure we'll spend a little time out there for me the even the 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 bigger key guy if you will is is going to be josh hart um you know that that that's that's the guy that it's really gonna gonna fall on he's got a little bit more been there and, and done that and, um, you know, obviously he, he provides you something a little bit more than what, what Grimes does on the other end of the floor. I agree with you. Grimes is a, is a huge component here, but I think a, a little more so it's, it's Josh Hart. 
and uh, you know the combination of how they uh, they're able to curtail Butler because let's face it, you know you look at the rest of this this Heat team and you know Adebayo is is a you know he's he's more than a nice. I was about to say yeah he's a nice player now he's a really good player but but by and large if they keep you know Butler somewhat in check and don't let him go all Michael Jordan on him like Butler just did in the last series the Knicks should prevail here. And you like the Knicks in the series? I take it. Yeah, yeah, I do. Um, uh, I, I, I don't even. I'm not even gonna, you know, panic if they end up splitting the two games to Garden. They, they play well down there in Miami. It's not much of a home court uh, for Miami, you know, as we know uh, for all the New York-based teams. South Florida has always been a very uh, kind home away from home for them. Uh, I think it's going to be a long series because I, you know. Other than what I saw against Cleveland, I'm not sold on the next being able to do prosperity all that well. I mean, nothing was more important, you know, was more impressive than them going out there the other night and taking care of business in that game five against a desperate team, against a good team on their home court. I was I was very surprised uh, they pulled that game out and they they not only pulled it out, but they they manhandled them. Um, so maybe I'm talking a little out of turn here, but. Yeah, I see Knicks in six. I could see them winning, uh, you know, on Miami's home floor. Ultimately, uh, it'll be it'll be a deep series. But my official prediction, for whatever that's worth to you, uh, I'll say Knicks in six. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm right there with you uh, with with that prediction as well. I, I think it's going to be a, a pretty physical series, and I and I think even you know for the younger generation, you know, they weren't necessarily around when the Knicks and the Heat met four times from 97 to 2000 uh, in those real physical battles, uh, the Allen Houston game winner off the front of the rim, uh, just the, the fights that ensued on the floor. I mean, this has got you know nostalgia involved in it as well. If you were uh, born or remember uh, those games in the, in the late nineties, early two thousands. And, and I think both fan bases are kind of chomping at the bit. Uh, to do this again, and I'm I'm with you. I'm really looking yeah. Forward I, I, to it. I I I like the way I, I like the, the 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 word choice nostalgia, but you know draw a line underneath that and then let it go because back in those days, uh, you know all those, you know blood struggle war type series. It was so personal on oh, on yeah. so many levels, starting with Riley and the way he left here. And ending up there, and yeah, the whole you know Larry Johnson, Alonzo Mourning dynamic, and you know uh, yeah Charlie Ward, and uh, what was it PJ Brown, or you know starting that fight, and 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 everything that went down there. You use nostalgia when I look back on those series. First and foremost, it was so uber personal. This has none of that. Uh, you know, again, for, for, for people of our demographic, you know, we look back fondly at those times, those series with the Heat and the Pacers and the Bulls. But as far as it specifically pertains to Miami, again, it was so much – it was so personal. This is just about surviving and advancing and a means to an end and all those other intangibles – they just they they don't exist here. I I I just have a very difficult time, basically making an apples to apples comparison, yeah. of you know given the name recognition, and and I think that in and of itself it just stands on its own. 
this rivalry, in other words, is is a, a, a gnat on the proverbial fanny of what those battles were back in the day in the 90s. Correct. Yeah. No, I, 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 I get it completely. And uh, let, let's switch gears quick um, and talk a little baseball. As far as this Yankees offense is concerned, and, and I know uh, I, I had brought this up to you as a, as, a, as a talking point earlier in the week, minus Wednesday's or it was a Wednesday's 12-run barrage for this Yankee team. Are their offensive struggles a product of still waiting to get some reinforcements back? Or are we sitting here with the same issues that plagued this team for the better part of the second half of last year and really in the American League Championship Series where nobody could hit, Bruce? What do you? What's your take on this? Because I know you're as involved in it as I am. What reinforcements? Harrison Bader? Uh, there's no big-time offensive reinforcement forthcoming. I know that Bader hit a gazillion home runs in the postseason last year, but I got another three, four-year body work that suggests he's a uh, – a complimentary offensive piece at best. There aren't any reinforcements. They came into this. They came into this yeah, they they came into this season with several positions that were, you know, just short. Whether it's third base, catcher, shortstop, left field, there's half your team right there. So no, none, none of this is surprising in the least. And now Judge is banged up. He's going for an MRI. I'd imagine he's going to have, you know, a, 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 in a best-case scenario, I, I'm I, I'm sure he'll be out for a week and a half. I'm, they'll put him on a 10-day IL. Uh, but, no, I'm not I'm not surprised the least that this, this will be gone offensive. This was this was poorly poorly constructed here. And, I, and it was a kind of a head-scratching offseason for me, especially – and I think – we had this conversation at one point uh, last season when we were doing the shows together on the call with the seemingly love fest that Aaron Boone has with Josh Donaldson to even in the offseason anoint him the starting third baseman and basically using the rationale that Donaldson will bounce back from an awful offensive season just because he's a veteran. I mean, as a baseball fan, I was almost insulted by the confident way that Boone, well, he's a veteran. He'll bounce back because he's a veteran. There was no basis to that statement. And Josh Donaldson was the starting third baseman until he went down with a hamstring injury. Now it looks like he'll be back next week. But how much longer this carousel is going to go round and round before something changes? At this point, Bruce, I have no idea. I'm left speechless. Yeah, I don't know what tack, though, you expect Boone to take. This That's more on Cashman than it is Boone. You know, he. This is a 37-year-old offensively washed-up player owed 25 million dollars. So uh, if if you know Cashman can't get the okay from from Steinbrenner to eat some of the money to jettison him off the roster, there's no other tack for Boone to take. He's stuck with him. So either he builds him up, uh, you know, for his for his own selfish purposes and and hoping that you know he could coexist with the guy and therefore he'll produce for him. Or at the very least, you know, build them up so the messaging to the rest of the baseball world that might miraculously show some interest, uh, you know, doesn't get anything mixed up in 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 that messaging. So now I don't I don't put this on Boone. I don't, I don't think there's any other way that that Boone could have handled it. Um, oh, yeah, listen, I've I've made this comparison with a bunch of other players. If the Arizona freaking Diamondbacks could eat thirty five million dollars of Madison Bumgarner. Why can't the New York Yankees do the same with Donaldson and Hicks 
and, and you know, whomever else you want to throw out there. And I shouldn't have to use this as an example because they are by far the wealthiest franchise, yeah. you know, <laughs> in, in the sport, if not all the sports, this side of the Dallas Cowboys. So, uh, yeah. you, know, you, you reap what you sow. Um, they have, you know, jettisoned a lot of capital in the trades that they've made in recent years, most of which, right. as we know, haven't worked out. There's not a lot of, you know, internal – you know, way for them to go right now for reinforcement. Uh, spare me on Jake Bowers. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, obviously it's it's too soon to start getting all, uh, you know, riled up about potential trades. It's, uh, you know, it's just not that time of the year on the baseball calendar. And even if you want to go that way, two of the guys that the Yankees were, you know, head, or headlining their uh, wish list have been signed a long-term extension by their Current clubs with Brian Reynolds just the other day in Pittsburgh mm -hmm. and Ian Happ with the Cubs. Yep. Do you like what you've seen from Anthony Volpe to this point? Yeah, I mean, listen, I didn't, you know, worry too much about his his struggles just because the mo on him has been at every level in the minor leagues. It had been an ultra struggle, uh, you know, from from the word go. I mean, when they made the decision that they were going to go with him, that says to me. You know what? Give the guy a you have to give the guy a legitimate run here. You can't go two or three weeks, say he can't hit his way out of a paper bag and demote him again. You know, as long as it didn't look like it was consuming him or overwhelming him psychologically, nah, go him out, let him go through the growing pains and uh, you know, let him you know work his his way through. And, you know, by all indications, again a very small sample size, it, it looks like he's he's coming on. But the they're going to be ups and downs with him. You know, everybody, cool your jets on the Derek Jeter comparisons. All okay. right. There's yeah, a please. reason he's, you know, Derek Jeter is Derek Jeter and a once in a lifetime type guy. That's not fair to Volpe. And you know what? It's not fair to yourself if, if, if you're expecting that. Yeah. Yankees just need productivity at this point, specifically at the plate. Uh, depending on how you view their ceiling, one way or the other, oh, I think they got. I think they've got. Hey, Pete, I think they got a litany of issues. I mean, right now yeah, they're throwing yes, they Domingo, Herman, Clark Schmidt, and Johnny Brito out there. Three out of every five turns. The bullpen is, you know, wish upon a star. Michael King, yay today. He's a bum tomorrow. Clay Holmes, uh, you know, rinse and repeat. So uh, th this team is, <laughs> you know, because they're quote unquote the Yankees. We always put them in that championship conversation. This is not a championship level roster. Even with Rodon and uh, Severino. Yeah. Severino uh, looks early May. Rodon still late May. Montas is out until June. It could be the entire season. I mean, they've got, a, like you said, a litany of issues. Uh, and I, I, I think from my perspective, Bruce, I think you can see the tools are there for Brito. But Clark Schmidt has been a huge disappointment. That For me, that's been a real bummer. For the asset that he was last season for the Yankees, do we – and Aaron Boone wants him to fix whatever issues he thinks he has by staying in the rotation. I, I, okay, fine. But will there be a moment, in, in your opinion, Bruce, in all the baseball that you've seen throughout your career where – the Yankees may go back to just using Schmidt in a role out of the bullpen that quite honestly, he excelled in. Yeah. Uh, as a starter, he's just a guy. He's a Jag, uh, just another guy. I, I don't see any, you know, plus stuff there. 
uh, listen, just just take the M out of his last name, and he, he's more that than he is uh, Schmidt. <laughs> he's terrible. <laughs> yeah. he, he, he's got nothing to get left-handers out. Um, <laughs> him, you got him versus DeGrom tonight. No judge in the lineup. Yeah, what could go wrong? I'm I'm real confident in the Yanks' chances. <laughs> he's just not any good. And in the bullpen, he's you know if it, if it's a seven man bullpen, he's anywhere from five to seven. There's nothing. Yeah. There's nothing particularly special about him. Uh, you know, Brito, uh, the bloom is off that rose. He's not getting a lot of swings and misses out there. Herman is a tough guy to stomach for a lot of reasons. For right. me. You know, that don't necessarily I'm, have to do with baseball. I'm right there uh, you with know, you. Obviously, he's, yeah. he's very capable. Once in a blue moon of giving you a big start, but they don't have any pitching. They traded all their they traded all their pitching uh, yeah. for you know Montas for uh, you know who, whoever else the other guys you want to you know name in the last couple of years that haven't worked out. So um, th- yeah, it, it's it's pretty much this. What you see is what you get. There's not a lot of you know room for them to uh upgrade certainly externally as i just said for for the for a variety of reasons of where we are in the calendar in their minor leagues there's a couple of guy a couple of guys at double a that play right here in my backyard where i'm situated in new jersey but you know if if clayton beater is your your answer you you better pretty much better cite the question to me again uh this Look, I, the Yankees are a playoff team. Don't get me wrong, but in terms of uh, you know being there with the elite of the elite in in, in baseball, whomever they might be right now, because yeah, I'm, I, I'm not so sure there's a super team out there to be had anywhere. But as far as the Yankees are concerned, this is pretty much a watered down version of the championship level team we've come accustomed to seeing in the last couple of decades. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. It's been frustrating. Listen, 15 and 11, 26 games in, really not much to tell you that this team's going to win a championship unless they have uh, drastic changes. Uh, as far as the Mets are concerned, do you think this is just a matter of time before they get going? Um, Boy, I'll tell you, it, it, it's a tough thing for me to say that they're not what they were a year ago because on paper they're pretty much the same exact team that they were a year ago. You know, you know Verlander for for Degrom when Verlander comes back, and obviously there's no Edwin Diaz, but you, but you got David Robertson doing his thing back there. The Mets are a little short in their lineup. I'd be very worried about their bullpen uh, as we get later on in the season. They're a little bit long long in the tooth. Uh, they don't have a you know to me a slam dunk uh, guy out there who's going to shove you. I think they're, they are going to miss that dynamic to no fault of their own, given the, the fluky nature of what happened with Diaz. Uh, you know, I love the top part of their lineup. I think what you're seeing from Brett Beatty now is going to be a huge plus for them because I think this guy is is just going to be a, a hitting machine for them. So that that's one additional plus. Uh, you know, listen, again, they're a playoff team. Are they a title-contending team? No, I I don't think so. You know why? Because I'm not. This has nothing to do with the end of last year. I think the elite Scherzer, from a turn to turn basis, I think those days are gone. His stuff just—he's not that guy anymore. Yeah. He, you know, he's got the wherewithal, and he still has the artillery. 
you know, to, you know, to, to get the job done. But he's not the type of guy that I think, you know, almost has the opposition beat before he even takes the mound. He's got that persona. He breeds fire. His stuff to me just looks – last year it was because of injury, but even when I'm seeing early going this year, it seems a little short. And for a guy who's pushing 40 with that kind of mileage on his arm, uh, that that that's none too surprising. So – I think their chances of winning their division are better than the Yankees of winning theirs, but I don't think they're as good as the Braves. No, I don't. And I and and that's a good point. It's it's a good segue point that you make there as as far as them being as good as as the Braves. And again, I, I'm lockstep with you. Getting Verlander back will be an will obviously be an asset to the rotation. Uh, Going to make a rehab start tonight. Uh, no, he did. He did. He actually. It was this afternoon. He was great. He's done. Okay. Yeah. He looked great. And so that's going to put him on track to start um, would be May 3rd or 4th, I believe I was reading. I so, think, that, I think ironically enough, they're talking about maybe next week when they're in Detroit. So he might be. Yes, it would be on the on the Detroit swing, which which would be, uh, you know, storybook in some in some uh, degree. Um, but that'll be exciting for the team and and it'll be a, a necessary get for. Uh, the Mets as well, but with with the Scherzer stuff, I mean, Bruce, from a personal standpoint, he was one of my fantasy keepers. So I've been going through the slog with him, and the ten game suspension obviously didn't help because my pitching on my fantasy team sucks. So I need him. I need. What about? I understand what you're saying about Scherzer, but 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 to me, listen, Verlander and Scherzer are, are going to be at the very worst, very good. If you know, I just don't know that you, the elite Scherzer. That you saw on a, on a regular basis when he was stockpiling those Cy Youngs, I'm not sure that that you're getting that guy again. But what about the rest of their rotation? Yeah, you know, and, I mean, P- P- Peterson's been akin to batting practice. He pitches tonight. Exactly. You know, Tyler McGill. Uh, He's had a nice start to the season. I, I I'll give the kid that. Yeah, he, I, he looked he looked more dominant. The version of Tyler McGill I saw in the early part of last year looked a lot more dominant than, than the version I'm seeing of him now. And Kodai Singh has been okay. Uh, listen, I love these little cute little thing, though, the ghost fork boy. It's great. You know, uh, but <laughs> yes. he's, getting, he's not unhittable. He's he's a decent mid-rotation type guy. And listen, the, the Braves have their flaws as well. I don't love their their bullpen, you know, right now. And, and they have some, you know, issues in their rotation from where I'm sitting, you know, from my vantage point. I like their lineup a lot better. I just think sure. it's deeper. Uh, you know, than the Mets. I'm not saying the Braves are going to run away and hide from anybody. The, the Mets will be right there, but I, I do think the Braves are are the better of the you know the two would be contenders in in that division. I don't I don't put the uh, I don't put the Phillies in that realm. Well, I mean, listen, this the season is young, 25, 26 games in. Uh, I, I think the best story to this point in the year has been the Pittsburgh Pirates. I mean, statistically, offensively across the board, it, it, they've been an absolute machine. Um, with whoever they're trucking out there. Uh, Sawinski's off to a great start. Uh, they've been a fun team to watch. The Cubs have been playing good ball, but I, I think right now I'll, I'll put the Pirates in that conversation early. But the teams that have really been most impressive, uh, three of them come out of the AL East and not one of them is the Yankees. That's the Rays, O's, and the Blue Jays. And then the Atlanta Braves and the Pirates. I mean, I think those really, you said a few moments ago, there's not a clear-cut dominant team. But to me, those five right now are playing the best brand of baseball, specifically Tampa Bay, 
um, and, and, and Baltimore that, that I've seen. And conversely, you know, just going back to the National League for a second, look at the teams that we, we had expectations for. They've been horrible. Padres, yes. awful. Dodgers, really? awful. Cardinals, worse. <laughs> the, the Cardinals. St. So, Louis has been really – I mean, home or away, they can't they can't find or buy a W, and they're no, not producing they're, runs. They're, yeah, no, their starting pitching has been brutal. Uh, you know, as you said, the lineup is, is, is not exactly, you know uh, – you know, done their part either. They just said that they're their wonder kid back down in the minor leagues. Yeah, they, they got a lot of problems there. You know, as you said, yeah, there've been some nice stories in the early going. I don't think obviously I, I know you probably feel the same way. The the pirates don't have any kind of stick to it of this uh to them as far as uh, the here and now is concerned. You know, the Cubs are trying to just get out of the abyss that they've been in the last couple of years. I mean, the, yeah. the, the Cardinals have been surprising. The Padres have been a major disappointment. Uh, you know, obviously didn't think that the, the Dodgers were going to be a 111-win team again, but I didn't think they were going to be um, this mediocre at best. So there is the bottom line here is, you know, unless you really, really believe in what you're seeing from Tampa, there is no quote-unquote super team out there uh, to be had, I think before all is said and done, the AL East is going to be Toronto's to be had. Um, you know, Houston is, you know, they don't have Altuve right now. I wouldn't discount them given, you know, their place in the stratosphere in recent years. But, you know, right now I look at the landscape, you know, this time last year, you and I could have identified four or five quote unquote super tight teams, but Yep, not right now. It's it's wide open spaces in Major League Baseball at the moment. Yeah, and I th- I think it's it's gonna at least for the next couple of weeks and months it'll make for uh, an interesting follow. But I, I'm with you I, as as entertaining as this Pirates team has been. Uh, it's kind of a wait and see for me here. A lot of good young talent, uh, but it might still be a little underdeveloped. Uh, yeah, the versus, the O'Neill Cruz thing was a crusher though. Oh, oh. I, he was on my fantasy team. That was awesome. Well, you know what? Oh, it, listen, you dope. Who told you to start the, the fantasy teams anyway? You, when I end with this show, I am putting Max, Max Scherzer on the trade block. You've you've inspired me. You, um, you, you know what I love about guys like you that are really into your fantasy teams that like live and die by this stuff? You know what I absolutely revere, adore, and just love about you? You guys, you not a thing. Nothing. You <laughs> absolutely. You sound like, you sound like my wife. <laughs> yeah, you, you have no redeeming qualities whatsoever. All right, we're, we're talking with Bruce Shine, the great Bruce Shine, uh, here uh, five to six uh, on the East Coast Sports today with Peter J. The April twenty eighth edition, uh, and Bruce, I greatly appreciate you coming on as always. Uh, but before we let you go, I just want to get your thoughts on uh, uh, the passing of Dick Grote. Uh, Thursday passed away after suffering a stroke at the age of ninety two. Uh, really, an early two sports star in, in baseball and basketball. Great college career. Uh, at Duke, league MVP in Major League Baseball in 1960 after leading the Pirates uh, to the World Series title. Uh, a pure hitter in his day, um, and it was sad to see, even at the age of 92, a life well lived that uh, Dick Grote has uh, passed away. I saw that. Uh, obviously, I, I don't want to come across as, as a phony. I mean, you basically... You know, uh, you know, gave his gave his highlights there, but but yeah, he was a obviously a, a prominent piece of, of of baseball lore, especially in a you know a, a city that is that, that used to be you know baseball, 
um, you know, where, where baseball was was first and foremost. Uh, and it's listen at age ninety two, you know, God bless him. It's a hell of a run. I yeah. you know, I can only wish that that for myself. But yeah, it was. Uh, you know, obviously, I hadn't thought anything about him in in forever. And when I saw that come across the ticker, I'm like, oh wow, well, you know. It's, there's, there's somebody else. I mean, we, you know, Harry Balafonte we lost this week. Jerry Springer. Other, I'm not, you know, you know, classifying Jerry Springer as a legend by any stretch of the imagination. But yeah, it just it gets you, it gets you thinking and hearkening back to, uh, you know, other, uh, other, other times, other, other eras sure. in life. Well, Bruce, listen, I, I appreciate it, man. It, this, the segments with you, we were able to get your honor, awesome, and uh, I really appreciate you coming on. Enjoy. Everything going on in the world of sports, be it basketball, baseball, hockey, Knicks game one Sunday. I know where you'll be. I'll be in the same place right in front of my TV watching that game. Doesn't look like I'm golfing Sunday in this weather. So I'll be yeah, going to get a little, no, little daddy-daughter time, watch the Knicks. <laughs> break out the scuba gear and uh, you watch the draft. You got the draft tonight, too. And, yes. uh, you know, our Giants, our Giants got work to do here. They yes. still got work to do. I'm, so, I'm not, well, certainly wasn't happy with what Philadelphia ended up with again yesterday. Yeah, well, they, they they seem to just load up at, at the most inopportune times, and now it's translating on the field, which makes it even more frustrating. <laughs> the rich how are getting did, richer. How did how did you, listen? You're more a college guy than I am. Yeah, you're you follow it far more closely than I do. But I mean, listen, I read up, I study on these things. Sure. How the hell did Nolan Smith end up dropping a thirty? It, right in their lap. How did how does that happen? If he's that good, I mean, why wouldn't the Jets have taken him at fifteen? A lot of people have made had made uh, comments about when Bijan Robinson went. As good as he is, did he go too early? Well, my argument is, if you love a guy, go get him. And Atlanta did it. So yeah, I'm with you. If if he was that good, and you watch college football, I mean, Nolan Smith hits you. Your grandkids feel your unborn. Yeah, 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 I get I mean, it. I mean, listen. I mean, we've all seen a lot of him because you know Georgia has lived on the national stage for for the last handful of years. I just don't. I don't get how a guy who was you know universally evaluated as a as a top ten type guy, and I'm not. I just used the Jets as an example because yeah. right here in my backyard, they took a guy I, I hardly ever heard of. Listen, I get. I can rationalize the Jalen Carter thing, okay? Mm-hmm. But you know, a guy like Nolan Smith, and he makes it all the way down to you know to the Eagles. It's just, I don't know. I mean, listen, not everybody else could be you know that dumb. I'm not trying to cast aspersions on Howie Rosen with the Eagles. It's just, I don't know. It it it, it dumbfounds me how that uh, how that works out, but. You know, listen, we'll see. You know, we're, you know, as Giant fans, I think we both understand we're not at that, uh, you know, uh, Philadelphia-Dallas level yet. Still building towards it. But, yeah, no, I'll be captivated by what goes on uh, goes on tonight uh, in the draft. That's for sure. Yeah. All right, brother. You got it. Thanks again, Bruce. Always my pleasure, Petey. You're the best, buddy. Let's do it again soon. Yeah, you got it, dude. We'll see. Take care, pal. Bye. That is uh, Bruce Shine joining us again for a, a great segment. And and you get it's legitimate insight there from Bruce. Guy knows what he's talking about. So as far as be it the draft, what the Jets and the Giants might do across the league, what might happen there. Uh, and I'm with him with the Yankees. Postseason team, yeah, probably. They do have talent. But it's not the type of talent right now that's going to stack up with the Mets, the Braves. Man, even early with with how the Pirates are manufacturing runs 
and holding teams off late in games. Yankees just haven't really been able to do that. There are signs when a Glaber Torres gets hot. That's great. But overall, with what's been going on with the ho-hum ability of the bullpen and outside of Cortez and Cole, not great in the starting pitching. We all know that. Can it change? Yes. Will it? The Yankees are going to make moves. We don't know what they are, but they had opportunities to address the lineup in the offseason, and they failed. And they failed pretty impressively on a team last season that struggled to put runs across home plate. We're seeing more of the same uh, minus Wednesday's 12-run outburst. Uh, speaking of teams that are incapable of scoring, I want to switch gears and talk about the NHL postseason. It's been great. I mean, I, I told you to keep an eye on that Vegas-Winnipeg series. Gold, The Golden Knights wrapped it up in five. But, man, were those intense, quintessential postseason hockey games uh, with the Golden Knights moving on 4-1. They win game five on Thursday night. You go around the league, Stars-Wild's been a good series. That's going to go to game six. Oilers-Kings going to game six. Hurricanes-Islanders. My initial pick there was Islanders in six. We're in game six now, do-or-die territory for the Islanders. But a team that all of a sudden, after scoring 10 goals in the first two games of a playoff series on the road, Granted, glorified road game. I'm talking about the New York Rangers, if you haven't figured it out by now. All of a sudden, can't score. And they open with a 2-0 series lead. Now find themselves going into game six Saturday at the Garden in a 3-2 hole. It is absolutely mind-blowing to me that a hockey team with Chris Kreider, Vladimir Tarasenko, Artemi Panarin, Mika Zibanejad, Patrick Kane, Vinny Trocek. You could throw Capo Caco in there. Alexis Lafreniere, who, let's face it, has not had a great season uh, from top to bottom this year, all of a sudden can't score goals. And if it wasn't bad enough that Artemi Panarin, who came here to specifically score goals, and they relinked him with his friend and former Chicago teammate Patrick Kane weeks ago via trade, as if it's not bad enough that he can't score, down 2 nothing late in the second period with the Rangers on a power play, which is also another asset that is seemingly vanished with this team outside of the first two games of the series. Panarin turns the puck over in the own zone. Jersey, the fastest team in the league, and I've said that countless times here. The Rangers, you might say that they could be a better hockey team, but they certainly are not faster. He turns it over in the own zone, 2-1-1. You know Jersey was going up, and they did. Three straight goals to go up 3 nothing. They put the icing on the cake and win the game 4 nothing. Akira Schmidt has been a brick wall in net for Jersey. Turned aside all 23 shots that he faced uh, in game five on Thursday night. But you're telling me with the makeup of this team that all of a sudden the New York Rangers can't score goals? To me, that's absurd. And there's just no reason for it. The patience that they were all preaching after game one and two has seemingly gone by the wayside. Well, why? What has to change? You lose a heartbreaker game three in overtime at the Garden. That happens. That's hockey. Jersey's not going to get swept. But games four and five, specifically game five, back at Prudential Center in New Jersey, was a disgusting display of hockey by the New York Rangers who had cup aspirations and still should. I'm not saying this series is, is over. But my God, if they play half as bad as they did on Thursday night, they're going to get smoked in game six. Uh, with that online, we've got Mike who's calling in. Mike, what's going on? I know you've got to yeah, be tied with this Ranger team. Hi, Peter. I'm glad you're talking about the Rangers. I tell you that. I'm out of things to say. Boy, I tell you. The, 
flat as flat could be, Mike, Thursday night. I'm telling night. you, I've been watching this team for 50 years, and they've had some pretty crappy playoffs, but I never saw a Ranger team fold in a playoff game like the last game. You know, the, the third game was fine. They lost They lost in overtime, could have went either way. The next game didn't play that good, but it wasn't horrible. But this game, I don't like the effort. They didn't play hard enough. You know, they signed Tarasenko and Kane. And you know what? These guys are on pension, in my opinion. 16 years, Kane has been a tremendous player. His ship sailed, in my opinion. Stop trying to pick up these 20-year veterans and go with the kids. That's what the devils are doing. Go with the young kids. The Rangers' best line is the kid line, and they've struggled a little, but at least they're, they're trying. And, and another thing, Panarin, tremendous regular season player, makes a fortune of money. Every playoff, he disappears. Why? Because he's five foot nine and 170 pounds. And when the checking gets tight, he, he's useless, in my opinion. And a lot of Ranger fans seen. don't agree with me, but that's my opinion. That did not discounting the guy's ability, but I'm right there with you with the way that it's just a complete disappearance from a goal scoring perspective, which is why he's on this team to begin with. I mean, yeah. some of the things might be able to. It's not like Mika Zibanejad and Vinny Trocek setting the world on fire either. They're all right. in this together, and I and I think outside yep. of Chris Kreider, who's got the five goals. And four of them were on the power play, which all of a sudden seems to not be there. I just don't right. understand. And and again, I am I have said this time and time again on this program. I am not in the business of hammering guys who do things that I just physically am incapable of doing. But you see what you I see. Agree. And I don't understand how a power play unit that was so strong against a very good Devils defensive team, even in the shorthand, can just vanish in the blink of an eye. And all of and and even when you go into your home building, which they're going to go back to Saturday, eight p.m. Madison Square Garden, the place is going to be rocking. But you can't come out in the game and four minutes into the game, like you were the last couple of nights, being a one nothing hole, because that's yes. going to be really hard to dig out of home or not. Because home ice advantage, just like home court advantage in sports, only really matters for the first five ten minutes, really that first wave of the game. And the Rangers have the that's Rangers right. are going to need that momentum because. I just I, – I cannot come up with a reason why, as good as the Devils are on both ends of the ice, why this team is putting up goose eggs when it matters most. It makes absolutely I know. no sense. What boggles my mind is as soon as this team falls behind, they fold. They're a, they have a lot of veteran players who have been around a long time. I don't understand how they fold. They, and – Another thing I don't understand, why is this team choked at home? They they play at home and they're tight as a drum. Why? It's, and I you know what I thought I thought it was the perfect combination. If you're talking about emotion, the fans get it too, feeding off there from the success of the Knicks. The players had been talking about it in the media, how they were supporting one another, and then they just fall flat. I do think the home ice and home uh home court advantage stuff or home field uh is a little overhyped at times. I do think there are instances where it matters. Uh, I mean, for yes. example, the Super Bowl is a neutral site uh, contest. Uh, so, uh, you know, I don't know how much that matters. 
Uh, but I just think with you, you use that word effort, you don't necessarily have to play the sport if you're watching it on a regular basis to see effort. It doesn't matter what sport right. it is. And the Rangers' effort doesn't take the genius to spot that. It's it's been lacking. But Mike, uh, b- before uh, I let you go here, and again, I appreciate the call I could do every week. If this is a yeah, situation thanks, where the, where the Rangers bow out in six or seven, do you think a coaching change comes? Um, unfortunate. I like Gallant. I have from I day one. That's why so I'm I can't asking. turn around and say I hate him now. I like him, but unfortunately, sports. What do they do? The coach gets fired. It's unfortunate, but it's going to happen if they lose tonight, tomorrow. Well, it, it, I don't want it to happen, it, but I... And I, I think the level of frustration there is with, with, with Gerard Gallant, the Rangers head coach, uh, for those who may just be, be joining us, we're talking about the Rangers-Devils series, and I'll finish going around the league uh, before we wrap up today's program. Um, built that system in Vegas that is con- continuing to thrive. Vegas is moving on again. They've been a freight train sh- uh, since they uh, it came into the league a couple years ago. In year one, they go to the Stanley Cup final uh, with Gallant on, on the bench. And here he is with the right. Rangers a year ago in his first year, taking him to the Eastern Conference final. I don't know. I- I'm not going to say that the Rangers are dead in the water here, especially if they win a game six. There's no reason no, why they can't go win a game seven. It's happened before. But I think that might be um, – the action that comes from this for the simple fact that Chris Drury went out and made massive moves to improve this team for moments like now. And in the last three games, you know what? I'll say the last two because anybody could lose in overtime. Even Boston is getting a fight from Florida. And I had Boston winning that series in five. It's at least going to go six. Um, yes. Florida's given them all they can handle. So things four and five, there's no excuse. That's an effort thing. And, and as, and as hard as it can be to say effort comes down to the player, yes, but it also comes down to schematics and system. That's on coaching. Yep. Absolutely. So, I agree. You know, I so totally it, agree. It, it, it'll be something to see, um, and I'm sure that's going to be something. I've been watching these games on MSG because as, as much as they are passionate about the Rangers, Sam and Joe don't hold back. And that and, and if, if you're local and you're going to watch these games on MSG, they give it to you the way it is. And and they were not kind with Panarin's turnover the other night because they should not have been. Um, and I and I think someone like Joe Micheletti gets very upset when the effort goes south, and you could hear it in his voice when he's calling these games. That's right. So absolutely, uh, my, you know, my my initial prediction here was Rangers in six. Obviously, that's not going to happen. It's going to have to go seven if the Rangers are going to win it. But this team's not dead. Uh, as always, Mike, thank you for the call and uh, and hang in there with Game Six. Uh, we'll yes. see. We'll, we'll talk to you next week. And, uh, you know, listen, all, all the hockey fans, all the Ranger fans, you've got all the eyes locked on to this Devil Ranger series because of the close proximity to one another, because the fan bases don't get along, because the players don't get along. Rangers go out to Jersey. And I'll tell you where I was impressed. We've been talking all year about how good this Devils team is. A uh, uh, historical start to the season. Talked in droves about that on this program. I'll tell you where I was impressed, though. It was games one and two, and specifically games five in New Jersey. There have been moments where you'll go to a Ranger-Devil game in New Jersey, and it is 75-25 Ranger fans. The same could be said if you go down to Tampa Bay and watch a Ranger game during the regular season, it might be 75-25 Ranger fans, or 60-40 at least. And that's a cup-contending team every year. They've got two of them. 
in recent history. That wasn't the case in games one, two, and five, specifically five. These Devil fans showed up. I think they finally have bought into the idea that this isn't just an off-season darling anymore. We bring in these big names and then we fold on the ice. This Devil team is legitimately title good. And if the Rangers can find a way to even this thing by winning game six tomorrow, which I think they will, I do think the Rangers will find there's just too much talent. There's too much veteran leadership on this. Shesterkin, by my view, has played fine. You turn it over in a second period of game five on a power play and give up a 2-1 breakaway. You know, Nico Mikkel has been setting up his teammates with nice passes. Ryan Lindgren's had a nice series. Philip Heedle's all over the ice. Chris Kreider, we know what he's done. Outside of that, there's not much. And that's not good. Find a way I think they will. Then we'll, you'll see what happens in Game 7. But just quick going around the, the rest of the league. I mean, this NHL postseason has been spectacular. You're going to get Game 6 on Long Island tonight between the Islanders and Carolina. That's 3-2 Carolina. Boston, Florida, Game 6, TNT. Uh, the Islander game, by the way, TBS. That series is 3-2 Boston, 3-2 Dallas leading Minnesota. 9.30 tonight for those listening live. That's Friday, April 28th, 9.30 p.m., the TBS anchoring. And then Colorado, Seattle's been remarkable. With Seattle 60 minutes away at home with a 3-2 lead from taking down the defending champs. That's a TNT game, 10 p.m. tonight. Um, Look, you get the Rangers-Devils, Game 6, Saturday night, Toronto-Tampa Bay with Toronto leading 3-2. We've seen Toronto blow 3-1 leads before. Will it happen again? Tampa's at home. I expect them to win and take that series back to Toronto for 7. And then Edmonton-Los Angeles. All these series, with the exception of the Vegas-Winnipeg series, which was a hell of a hockey series, when 5, all of them are going at least 6. So if you need something to watch, get involved in postseason hockey. It's been awesome. It has really been uh, an awesome time to be uh, a sports fan across the country. NFL draft this Friday night. Giants, Jets, back at the top. Big time players. Joey Porter Jr. still on the board. The talented corner from Penn State. This is going to be a big guy draft tonight. You're going to see a lot of big bodied young men getting picked tonight uh, to build up the trenches for many teams across the league. Be interested to see what the Steelers do. Obviously, the Jets and the Giants. Where are the Steelers going to try to bulk up? They have needs. Cincinnati Bengals. What else is Seattle going to do? I thought Seattle had a brilliant, and Philadelphia too. I thought Seattle and Philly did a great job last night. I'm interested to see where they go as well. And as far as Dallas potentially getting its tight end, is that where Mike Mayer from Notre Dame goes? It would break my heart. But they need somebody to replace Dalton Schultz, just like they needed somebody to replace Jason Witt. So we'll keep an eye on that as well. Uh, as always, thanks for tuning in, calling in, listening in. Uh, Podbean Live, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, and Samsung. It's really taken off. And if I'm looking at the metrics, iHeart's killing it. So if you're an iHeartRadio user, thank you, thank you, thank you a thousand times over because the numbers are popping off the screen. You can subscribe at any time, Sports Today with Peter J on any of those platforms. And you can follow me on Twitter at PeterJM for up-to-date information regarding sports. The 
show and general nonsense uh, as it is. With that being said, I'll see you next Friday, May 5th. Maybe I'll have an adult beverage on the air since it's Cinco de Mayo to celebrate the holiday live at 5 p.m. Eastern time. Have a great weekend, everybody. It was a blast. Special thanks to my buddy, uh, Bruce Shine, for calling in. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the sports. There's plenty of it. And I'll talk to you seven days from now. Sports Today with PJ.